Hi, this is Tony Silva. And Charles Wiz. And this is episode 66, Two Teachers Talking. Charles and I get together and talk about our teaching. Uh, teaching English in Japan, what works and what doesn't, and how we try to make things a little bit better. And uh, today we're talking about uh, self-evaluation, how we uh, review, critique, and revise what we do in the classroom to yeah, correct our mistakes and try to make things a little bit better. Yeah, it's that time of year. Mm. Well, that's always, the thing, Always right? difficult. Yeah, the time of year, but it, I guess it's a time when we kind of have a chance to kind of notice. But ideally, I think, uh, while, yeah, this gives us a chance to step back and look at the big picture a little bit more easily. Uh, I think one of the things about self-assessment is that really it kind of, one of those things that, needs to be done on an ongoing basis, right? Um, though, yeah, with the, with the bullets flying in the battlefield, sometimes it's kind of hard. Well, it's that time of year when we're not teaching, right? Classes are over, grading's done, and the, you're right, the reflection is without a day-to-day teaching experience. Mm. There's time to off and it's time to look back rather. I think it's time to look back at what I've done rather than look at what I've done in a certain way. Because during the year when I'm teaching, I'm really looking at what I'm doing and there's no distance. There's no lag. There's no chance to really stop and say, you know what, I'll deal with this in a couple of weeks. Whereas now what I can do is I can look back in retrospect and say, hey, uh, this is what happened. This is what went on. And also that distance in terms of time and I think emotions also really helps to assess what's gone on. So in that sense, I mean, it's that time of year, Tony. Yes, a distance, the, 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 key, the key word there, right? Um, the time, uh, emotional involvement, and perspective, right. all of those things really um, let you see things that you cannot see when they're happening in real time, for sure. Yeah, and, uh, I, yeah, I guess the I guess the advent of that is maybe toward the the end of the semester. I, I, well, some schools give the, the to you at the end of the semester. Sometimes they 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 wait and they give it to you in the following term. But it's that uh, it's that moment when you open up the the school's teacher evaluation results, the report, mm-hmm. the envelope, whatever it is, and <laughs> you look at it and it's like. That's not what I expected. <laughs> sometimes it's completely opposite. Sometimes it's exactly what you expect, and the other times it's completely the opposite of what you expect. You know, in both ways, right? You think things are going great, and the results are just kind of eh, mediocre. And the other yes, times you yes. think you're you think you're you think you're bombing. You think you've lost it, and you pull out this thing, and it's like it's like oh, these kids are just it's all they're having a great time. It's a great positive experience for them. Um. Yeah, and when you're in the middle of it, yeah, obviously our our perception can be faulty, and then, and again at the same time, those instruments, the results of those evaluations, are not necessarily what they're supposed meant to be, right? They also have to be carefully interpreted as exactly what it is that they mean, um, and hopefully you're not relying exclusively on on them for your own self evaluation. 
Okay, Tony, if you don't well, rely you on do? those, what do you rely on? Right. <laughs> you know, Tony, in fact, what I'm going to do here is I'm not even going to ask any questions because that was the question I was going to ask. So you're just going to monologue through the whole time, and I'm just going to sit back here and nod, okay? And I will get credit for nodding on this one. But yeah, run with that a little bit. What do you use for yourself? You know, Because I agree with you. Um, the school's self, um, evaluation survey doesn't really do help me very much. Um, it doesn't provide me with a lot of concrete information. It's just basically numbers. And um, also, let's face it, there are instances where, because of the way it's designed, by being able to give high numbers or low numbers, students can grade you highly if they like you or don't like you. And so, and we, I think we've talked a little bit in the past about sure. these kind of evaluations. But given the limitations, what do you do? Well, with, with just to, to finish up that the thing on the teacher evaluation, basically what it tells you, it, t- it tells you if the students are happy. And it's not that it, that's not important, but it really is not really helpful to make, to make for you to make things better than they are. There's not a lot of useful information beyond that. They, you know, they can tell you that yeah, they're happy or they're not happy. Other than that, there's usually not much else you can do unless you really encourage them to, for the students themselves uh, to give the write-in type comments um, and those sometimes can be quite enlightening but uh, in the big picture um, yeah I don't uh, again again I don't have any scientific secret pre post test regimen or a secret system um, or any kind of pre post um, binary set of data that I look at and say okay this is you know I've done you know, 0.73 percent better than I did last semester, or whatever it is. No, I don't. I don't have anything like that. And um, for me, it is kind of an ongoing uh, thing, uh, and it really isn't a, a a pre and a post. Though, of course, again, the luxury of perspective at the end of the semester always helps. And for me too. Uh, it varies so much. Uh, this I'm getting, this will be a roundabout answer here. Um, depends on the type of class. Oh, that's what this is called. Okay. Yeah, because it, it's really different, right? Um, a writing class, or a conversation class, uh, basically a content class. Uh, what you're trying to do and how you're going to measure your success or the student's success is going to be really, really different for for those different things, and uh, I mean, really big. Uh, but I think for all of them, regardless, I think uh, one of the essential elements, or maybe this is more than one. Uh, I have to wait until the end of the sentence or the paragraph <laughs> to figure that out. But um, really, a reliable, trustworthy initial evaluation initial evaluation at the very beginning of um, the student needs, student abilities, um, and something we talked about before, setting realistic goals, and then uh, determining, you know, the limitations of resources, your abilities, uh, your time, etc., etc., trying to determine likely paths to achieving those goals. Um, and then that kind of sets up. Then you're kind of free to figure out how you're going to measure your student's success and, and then how you measure your own success. Um, 
and the, that is a whole the, and then you have to take a whole lot of things into uh into consideration there again like it's like your own abilities your own resources the students realistic what they're capable of what they're not um personality differences from classroom to classroom the fact that we're westerners teaching in japan i mean just pile it on right there's there's all these different factors that um can influence how you try to define success or, or even the goals themselves right uh and once you can kind of put all of that together, well, the assessment kind of com- becomes pretty easy after if you've got a, if you start with that clear picture, and if you don't have, have a clear picture of of all of that or as clear as you can get at the beginning, it becomes much harder because again, you know what are you, what are you looking for other than the fact that you know the kids are happy. But uh, in each case, once you have an idea of what the results should look like. Um, then you got to figure out how you're going to help the students achieve those results, and then you can determine how you're going to measure that. Um, so just to get a little more concrete, for example, um, a writing class. Uh, if, as I've had in the past, uh, for example, a third-year student uh, writing class that's supposed to prepare students uh, for writing their senior thesis. And this is you know, one of those situations where it's like, yeah, it's not a plus alpha, it's a, it's a plus theta. Uh, um, you know, the, a lot of the students that I got um, were incapable of writing, uh, some cases, a sentence, let alone a paragraph. But the, the school, the goal of the curriculum, the, the, the syllabus said that, yeah, they're supposed to be at the end be able to write a research paper in English. Okay, so you've got all kinds of parameters there. You've got the actual writing skill, you've got the research skills, you've got the organizational skills that goes into a research paper, you've got the citation and documentation. And so you kind of sort out the different aspects that you're going to try to tackle and in, in uh, what proportion uh, and take a look at what they were capable of at the beginning, say what you'd like, to, regardless of what you know the ideal might be, but realistically given um, the time that you've got is it a one time a week class? Is it a two time a week class? The students' ability, their level, their motivation, the school culture. Best case scenario, what can you hope for? And in each of those areas, okay. So uh, from this class, what is what one of their one of one of their paragraphs? What should it look like? Um, how closely is their page of work cited going to resemble something from MLA? Uh, in terms of their research, how much do you expect them to be able to be able to, you know, how much you can teach them, how much do you expect them to be able to go out and choose appropriate resources and documentation for what they're doing. So all of those kinds of things. And so, yeah, if you ferret out, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I think they're able to do. And then at the end, once you've got that, then at the end you can see, okay, how close did they get? And how can I help them at the end? So look back at what you did. Okay, what seemed to be working, what didn't, where did they do well, where they did not do well, and so forth and so on. So that's kind of where I would go. You know, conversation class would be a little bit different, right? Again, how, what, what are you striving for? Are you striving for, striving for um, more assertive argumentation? Is it more like almost more in like a debate direction? Are you looking more for mechanics, things like follow-up questions and asking for clarification 
Um, if that's what you're teaching, then you can see, well, in their final evaluation task, whatever they are, whether you're just eavesdropping in a conversation or whether it's an oral exam, um, how many points are they getting for each time that they ask a follow-up question? I mean, however you choose to do it. Um, but from the very beginning, you decide, okay, what it is that you're going to be teaching and, you know, best case scenario, what should it look like and how close did you get, right? So you kind of paint a picture at the beginning of an ideal situation, put it in the closet, and then you get through your 15 weeks or your 30 weeks, whatever it is, and you get a picture. And then you pull the picture out of the closet and say, okay, <laughs> this, here's my chair and here's this platonic form of chair. How close did I get? <laughs> Shadows on the walls. <laughs> yeah, it's, but I think what's a really interesting thing, Tony, um, about what you're talking about is that you really can't do this until you've already taught the class. It's kind of catch-22, isn't it? <laughs> right, because if you're given a new class, you'll have certain like descriptions by the school about what they're able to do. So, for example, students should write a research paper. So I've done that where, okay, I've gone to a new school, taught a I've been given the writing class, and it says, okay, students should be able to you know, write a five-page research paper, then you get the students on the first day after you've already made the syllabus and set everything up, and you realize, well, this is not going to be possible. So right. you teach the class, and then you'll teach it again the following year, and you'll say, okay, this is what the school said, but I know the reality of this is not going to happen. I'm going to focus on paragraph structure, for example. So there's that, it's, it's an, there is an iteration that you have to go through. There you go, the process. Yeah. Right, and it's just constant. Um, but what I th was thinking about when I was listening to how you were describing different things is that there has to be um, a match to be able to do the assessment, to be able to at the end of the year say, "Hey, you know, did the students accomplish something?" Means that you have to have those that image, that picture, that the goals, the objectives, the outcomes really clearly defined as you begin you can modify them right but at the end of the semester or the end of the course you have to have some mechanism that accurately provides you with data to be able to measure that because i think there's the part of me that'll kind of say well you know i'll look at the class in general and say yeah this class really grew they developed they worked together they really had more cohesion they seem to be speaking together their, their their the amount of time they would spend in a conversation was longer their discussions um were more wide-ranging etc they used more follow-up questions but even then i'm still having a clear idea of what i'm looking at but it's just still not enough information to really be able to get down on a small scale and say, uh, did they really learn this, this, and this? So that assessment instrument that we use at the end has to, number one, it has to be a learning experience for the students, right? It has to kind of somehow force them to put together things so that it's a really worthwhile um, opportunity for them to learn. And at the same time, it has to provide us with reasonable and informative data. And that's really difficult. <laughs> I think it's really, really difficult. And the other thing I want to respond to is what you talked about with the evaluations that the schools provide. And I think you're, you're really right in a way that basically it just tells us whether or not the students were happy or pleased with the course. And it doesn't provide us with a lot of extra information as to how they really felt about what was going on. And what I just do is I always pass out 
um, the school paper, and then I just ask them three questions. And I say, please, no names on your paper, no student numbers, and answer the three questions. What did you like? What did you not like? And what can I do to improve? And I get pretty good answers from that that are very useful and allow me to adapt the course for the following you know, term. But yeah, I, yeah, it's I, not the easiest process, you know. Not at all, not at all. And um, I think one of the things that you know you said is like you talked about the the final assessment tool and how difficult it is to devise it to do all those different things. And I say, go, oh, yeah, I'd yes. say I'd say it's impossible. Uh, I think you're asking. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's really hard, and it is really hard to to, to put all that into one thing. And like, I, and I'm you know being cynical. It's not impossible, certainly. I try to do it, and I, I'm, I'm sure you try as well. Um, but in terms of um, the data that you're looking for, I think um, we might need to stretch the the perspective or definition of what that might be, because um, I think certainly if you have a if you're able to. And if the plan for a specific class, if it calls for, it, and if you can do one of this one final assessment tool that that can provide you with the information, and and and, and yeah, sometimes you sometimes you can do pretty you can do a pretty good job of that. Sometimes you can't. Mm. Um, that's really good. But I think in terms of the the data, I think there's all kinds of other things that. Um, are there if if we have the eyes to see them, right? So, for example, I talked about the different types of classes. So, if, as just an example, if I, for example, I'm do, having teaching a listening class, I and mean, this is this is brass tacks. This is what I do the second semester. I have a listening class, and um, the syllabus from the school, and it's kind of set up so teach them to. Uh, improve their listening skills geared toward like listening to a lecture in English, uh, taking notes and being able to digest and then do pr produce um, like a summary or a paper based on the lectures that they hear. Okay, so that's that's enough for, for me to go on. Um, and I can, you know, and if we're a listening test, yeah, if you want to like try to design an instrument to like test the, the change in their raw listening ability, Probably not that hard. I mean, you can even devise a very easy pre-post-test situation with that. Um, but in terms of other kinds of data, well, it, in your ordinary classes, it's like as we talked about the ongoing um, right. assessment and kind of feel for That's... what's going on. So, like you do a listening exercise in class, uh, look at their faces. Are they, do they? You know, you give them something. Are they? happy and content do they have that like that little glow of of success and accomplishment or is it that look of like complete bewilderment and and in worst case scenarios despair where they're sitting there saying i didn't understand anything so <laughs> yeah. i'm just you know, laughing because <laughs> Because we're at the other end of the sticks so often. Right, I say, that's my expression. That's, those are my we walk around with that look on our face all the time. Yeah, and they're watching us kind of going, what's going on, right? Exactly. But I was going to say I just that I had a listening class this, this previous semester, and um, I after the um, activity, that I did a specific activity, um, and I then asked my students using Socrative whether or not you know it was 
to difficult, difficult, just right, easy, or too easy, okay? I think I told you about this, and 50% yeah, yeah, of the yeah. students said it was either easy or too easy, and 50% of the students said it was difficult or too difficult, and not a single student Perfect. said just right. <laughs> So actually, everybody was unhappy. So so obviously, you're a failure. Well, actually, I could have said right, 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 right. Everyone was unhappy. Everyone was unhappy with it. Although, if I looked at the numbers, right, if I averaged out the numbers of average it out, I think I would have had a three. It was perfect, right? I I nailed it, right? But the point is, right, that one thing is that assessment doesn't have to be an end of term thing, right? right? There's ongoing assessments, but we're talking just about. There is, I don't know why, but if I do have a final project, and they're usually some kind of final project, some final outcome students have to do. They have to create something, make something, produce something, present something. That well, just that's valuable. That's seems good. To have, right. And it has lots of weight because it gives me a beginning and end point. It's really wonderful in a writing class because and a listening class in many ways that Um, And even you can do it in a reading class that I can do some kind of initial assessment. And for example, in a writing class, I ask the students to give me sample writing on the first day, give them a quick assignment, sample writing, submit it to me, a paragraph, let's say, or something. And I have a baseline to look at how much they've developed. Listening test, exactly. You give them a certain thing, you see how much they get, how much they don't, whether or not they're getting general ideas, specific details, etc. And then you can give them that test at the end again. Um, reading's the same thing. But speaking, I can't videotape my students at the beginning, right? I could interview each student, but then I've totally transformed my first, my first two yeah. classes. But so speaking, I think, again, has some real significant difficulties in terms of baselining, which is different from the reading, listening, and writing classes. Very much so. Right. And I think a lot of what we're doing is teaching speaking. So that always has a problem. But I do, I've been trying to struggle, you know, struggle with, should I videotape my students in the beginning of the semester? You know, just have them come up, walk up to me real quickly and interview them real quickly and say, okay, hi, ask them some questions. I have them on my little iPhone. And then at the end, I do the same thing at, after 15 weeks and they do that. But I can't imagine asking my students to talk to me while being videotaped. Can you? No, because yeah, they're, they're, already, so, they're the, already so tweaked and so nervous. Right, exactly. So there's alternatives to that. But here's the... the uh, interesting thing for me and I want to um, kind of move away from our assessment one of the things though is that we look at the classes and we look at whether or not they've advanced and I found this disconnect in my presentation classes especially this semester I saw real growth in one of my classes where students couldn't even talk about um, you know their their day or their weekend and at the end of the semester they were giving 10-minute presentations about a disruptive technology Mm. across the board massive massive improvement Um, I saw this with all students everyone was able to you know use slides have a hook you know an introduction be able to give the overview they understood the ideas of claims and providing data some might have been stronger than others but the point was that there really was this 
growth from when they came into the class to when they ended the class. What I then did, interesting, was ask students, how did you, did you improve? Do you feel that you improved? Um, tell me how much you feel you improved on a scale of zero to 10. Most of the students said that they didn't improve at all. And that was just really surprising to oh, me. That's too and bad. What I, yeah, it's yeah. very surprising. So then what I did, though, what I then did, though, is I then said, now, tell me whether or not your classmates improved. <laughs> guess, guess what happened? They all said, yes, my classmates dramatically improved. So I find that, I don't know if that's a Japanese thing or is it just a student thing or is it I, I think it's very much a assert. Japanese thing yeah yeah but it was really interesting to see right so what I've done is from now I think that one way to carry out the assessment to find out whether or not the students are feeling they're they've improved is to ask them anonymously have your classmates improved so in other words they're not saying this in front of other people it's a it's a anonymous paper it says have your classmates improved in you know and then question one question two question three question four and i got very different information than asking do you feel that you improved so hmm. that's an example of an assessment tool that i would use to say hey did students perceive any growth and do they did they grow did they improve and it's simply a matter of how i word the question and how I approach it. So again, it goes back to the structure of that assessment instrument. It's really important for getting the data that can be used because sometimes I think my perceptions are wrong. And you talked about, right, the class you think that's going really well, mm -hmm. and then you get mm -hmm. the evaluation back and they're very disappointed with the class and unhappy with the class. And the class I think is going really well then ranks the class, you know, opposite or something, right? It's mm -hmm. just weird, mm -hmm. weird, weird. So... The assessment part is real difficult. Um, but my question is, so you get this information, let's say you get a general idea of what you think worked, what you think didn't work, okay? It's now break time, we're in between semesters. What are you doing? What questions are you asking yourself? How are you approaching the whole thing about what you're gonna do, what you're gonna change, what are you going to implement? Um, what are you thinking? Me, I'm not thinking at all. <laughs> <laughs> Um, That's right. You're on vacation. I'm on vacation. But um, for me, it is... I re really take my direction from student feedback. And I'm not talking about from the, the, the student evaluation. That certainly it's part of it, especially if they have their own personal comments and things. But um, like through the semester, information gathering that I do throughout the semester is just directly direct feedback from the students, just ask the students and directly. And most of the time, most of my classes, um, not all, but most of them, there's, there's an environment and a dynamic where they are actually comfortable with giving me direct feedback. So, for example, with, um, uh, it's a kind of speaking class, but it's kind of a presentation speech class, but it's not called that. Um, where I'm having them do a series of um, presentations to small groups, um, four, th three and a half. One of them is a structured uh, department-wide type of event. The other three are done in classes, and 
very new and different way that I'm doing it. And it's only only 20 students. So I can sit there and say, well, hey, next semester, we're, you know, uh, we can make changes. We can do this. What do you think? How did this work? Did you think this worked well? There, there's the atmosphere in that class is such that, yeah, they will actually say, we like this. We don't like that. This is good. This is bad. Um, so you talk like like data, right? And it's like I, I ex expand that definition. It's like, well, yeah, this is really good information. Um, yes. And the other uh, all kinds of other small barometers that let you know whether a class is working or not. Uh, so again, nothing nothing really specific about one thing. For example, like in conversation has follow up questions or your writing class and topic sentences. Um, but during the semester, do the students ask questions either in class or after class, right? Because it's really hard for them to do it during class. Um, what do they ask questions? What kind of questions do they ask you? Do they ask you, for example, for help with some of their other classes? Um, which for me is a really big indicator that, yeah, this kid in this classroom, she or he um, understands that you are a person, you're a teacher whose input is valuable and he or she needs help and they're coming to you for that help. That is a real indicator that you are doing something useful in that classroom that whatever's happening there, whatever you're trying to get across, they might may or may not be getting it, but they appreciate it. And they know that they have some kind of respect for that. And that's a real biggie. And that's always a real plus for me. Um, we talked about your, your evaluation tools, like testing things. Um, and those, whether it's the final thing at the end or you know whether they're midterm or you know ongoing each week and things. Um, yes, and as you said, make a real effort to make those um, tasks um, meaningful as evaluation tools, but also as learning experiences. Uh, and somehow also <laughs> design them so that they do provide you with useful data that'll tell you if you're doing your job, if they're, if they're learning or what's happening, right? So it's not just, it's not just a test, right? It's, it's, it's a test of you as well and be able to be able to see what it is that's, what's not getting through. And then you can go back and think about why or why not. It's like, so why is it that when <laughs> explain in one paragraph, it comes back in three paragraphs. Okay. So what, what, what happened there? <laughs> why, why, why are thirty percent of these papers have three paragraphs instead of one paragraph? What is it? Are they not reading the instructions? Did I did not describe what a paragraph is? Well, I, I it depends on the nature of the failure <laughs> that you go back and trying to figure figure out exactly what it is that you did right or what you did wrong. Um, and then, you know, again, like to exp the final thing, but like expand that idea of data. It's like, um, you know, at the, toward the end of the term, you know, say, as they say in, in Japan, it's like just reading the air uh, in the classroom. Are, is it, are these kids sad that the semester's ending or are they like all just like 
rolling their eyes and looking at the door and waiting for it to be over. Um, you know, if um, you've been really working them, right? If you've been pushing and you've been doing, and you've been, again, we talked in the spring about like high expectations, right? And you make your assessment of what they're capable of and you start riding them and pushing them um, and making, forcing them to realize their potential. And you know, you've been pushing them that hard. And if you've been doing that and at the end of the class, you see some smile at the end of the semester, you're seeing smiles and, you know, please take a picture with me and, 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 well, then you, you probably, you know, you're probably doing something right, right? And again, it's pretty fuzzy. It's pretty squishy and it's, it's, it's not ones and zeros, but, um, those kinds of events to say, like, okay, well, what did you like most about what we, what, what, what did you think was the most useful? And it's amazing when you have kids like that, how forthcoming they can be and how willing they are to share. Um, okay. And then the best case scenario, there's, obviously this is when you've done a, a pretty decent job and it's not always the case. You're not always going to have this, right? Um, but uh, it's kind of, taking me aback a little bit about how um, honest they are and how much information they're willing to share about what they thought was useful and they, what wasn't. It's, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it, it varies from class to class, but there's also the other, the other kind of feedback. So just to give an example, um, one of the things that I do that makes my students nuts, <laughs> makes them insane, is my insistence on manners, especially, you know, the thank yous, your welcomes, here you are, excuse me. And they really, really think I'm nuts about this. And they actually give me feedback that I'm too strict about manners. And I had an experience that I was walking across campus a couple of weeks before the semester ended and a student called out to me. And it's a student I haven't had for two years or so. And they're now in graduate school and they came up to me and they said, oh, I just wanted to say thank you. I said, okay, yeah. They said they spent some time in Australia and they said that they remembered all how I'd been very strict about manners and they used their manners. And they said that they had, compared to their peers, they, this person said that they had a much better experience than the other people, mm. right? So that's mm. that delayed input that you were doing the right thing rather than the immediate input you're mm. getting that you did the right thing. So I don't know where to go with that kind of. Yeah, the only and, uh, yeah something something like you'd see that and yeah, when it, it's it, that kind of feedback is always nice and and in this case that you mentioned it's it's really nice because it's very specific. Um, uh, right, know, I, but I, I, I get I get feedback from kids, but it, it's rarely that specific that it really just like, like well, that for you is like okay, good. So now with with this, this with your uh, <laughs> fascist insistence on manners and things, well, oh, you thank know, you. you. You know that that's, <laughs> but, but you know that that's a good thing. But here's the re the reason it's important when we're talking about this assessment is that I have a very firm belief 
it's 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 really deep that this is the right thing to do and even in the face of resistance from students and they're disliking it and the input i receive that i am over the top i i can't you know in other words i have to say yes that's how you feel but i know from experience that this is not true that it is going to be valuable um i think it's um um something that comes with experience yeah and yep, yep. it's one of the few areas where i say i know that you don't like this and i know that you're reacting to it and i know that you're actually thinking that i have no sense of what's going on but it's true and so you know how does a more of a novice teacher balance that yeah so, you know hard, if somebody huh? came to you as a novice teacher and said hey tony hey charles you know um you mentioned that sometimes you just got to trust what you believe to be true, even in the face of negative feedback, mm. that what you're doing is right. And this is, you know, the thing where teachers say, um, you will appreciate this in a few years. <laughs> right. And, and we're and, and we're right. <laughs> well, you know, interestingly enough, I'm, I was thinking back about this, that the teachers who told me that were right. Mm my high school teachers who said look this doesn't seem valuable today but trust me in, in, in later in life it will be valuable and um it was true and i think the teachers who state that were the one i can understand though that they were only saying that because they truly understood it to work to be true and maybe they had received feedback over time that this was the case. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, because part of it is, is that once the students leave, we don't hear from them anymore. Right? right? Once we leave, um, they leave the school, they don't come, I, it's very rare to get an email or a message or a student to come back and say, hey, by the way, what you taught was really, really valuable or was not very helpful. And you might want to think of modifying it. So maybe one thing I need to do is create some system where you know, my former students can post or easily send some kind of message. I don't know. But that would be a very useful piece of information. Yeah, that that that, that feedback is is always nice. And it's funny you talked about these things that, you know, that they, they hate, but you know that you, that's really important that you do. And, and it's funny because we all have kind of different things. Like for you, it's the manners. I'm um, Allison, my wife, Professor Kitzman has been on the show a couple of times and she's got she also is a, a real stickler for manners and uh, the other the other thing uh that uh she's really really hard on is uh katakana ego pronunciation and she, mm -hmm. she's done some some her own personal research with those kind of things so she is very intolerant uh, of the um you know of that specific uh japanization of, of english pronunciation um, and I, and I guess if I was going to say, it was like, well, you know, what about you? I guess for me, it would probably be with, with the writing classes and, and, and the, uh, outline in the organization, um, hmm. real, real hard ass on that. Well, I'm also a hard ass on note taking. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good thing. You know that, right, right. But here's the thing again, 
that when we say we're a hard ass, I think what we're really saying is we're we're very focused on it. We put a high priority on it, and regardless of how the students respond to it, yes. we believe that it has inherent value. And there is, I will not deviate from that. Yeah, there there are certain and, points where you, you you deviate from that students and saying no 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 this I know better. <laughs> this is important. Right, right, right. But I think what's a great question is. How do we know that I know it's better? Mm. I know that, right? You know, because a lot of times I'll get input from student feedback from students, and I'll, I'll definitely modify the course. Um, and that's how I got to, you know, my presentation classes, which are weekly presentations in small groups, was because students gave me feedback that they felt uncomfortable, that it was not a good use of time, that they thought having the one student stand up in front of everybody and give a presentation was not you know, the best use of time, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I want, I want to thank you and, and your students um, for that because, <laughs> yeah, over the past couple of years, I've implemented that as well, and, it, and it's worked out very well. And, you know, you're talking about, like, um, assessment things. You're talking about, you know, some very, duh, simple, right? Um, something like, for example, um, Google Drive, and it's got the different forms and questionnaires or SurveyMonkey, you know, whatever, whatever tool you want to use, but... Yeah, ask your students to fill out an additional thing with, with specifically with the question that you're interested in, right? So this semester I did pretty much across the board exactly what you're talking about. And I devised a, you know, a, a questionnaire, an instrument for the students to complete. Yeah, now I've got some, I got some numbers, I've got some hard data, and, and, I'll, and I'll probably write something about it in my free time. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean that. That is a very useful and very available tool. So if you want to know what's working or not, ask the kids. And you've got those instruments are free. They're easy to do. You can link them in with some other part of an assignment and things. And um, it can give you really good information about what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong, what, what seems to be working, what's not. It's not Bible, I mean, but, but getting their input on it, saying if they say it's not working, well, maybe you think about, okay, well, why is it that they that it isn't working, or why is it that they don't think that it's working? Because those are two different things. Uh, right, it's a form and function problem. Mm -hmm. Right, you know, delivery and content, and it's useful to separate that out. You know, is is it the delivery or was it the content? Um, but yeah, if there is a lot of ways to get this information, there's a lot of ways to find out what students are thinking. It's just that in, in, during the break now, you know, I always go through, you know, what do I truly believe deep down inside as an educator? And even in the face of my students resisting what I'm teaching or what I'm trying to get them to learn, what is truly valuable? What do I know as an educator? And it's, it's, it's kind of um, goes against, I think, a lot of what's current thinking, but is to say, given my experience in the classroom of, of 30 years or so or more, plus as a, as a teacher, that's not including, you know, like my experience as a student, what do I know to be true? And, you know, this is what I go through over the, the summer. And what have I learned from my students? What is working? What is not working? What do I have to modify? Um, what is really something I've done well? 
for example, you know, have my systems for submitting homework, for example, are they the best design? But I still get, I, I've talked about this so much, it's like kicking a dead horse, but there's a certain percent of students who just continually, continually submit their work incorrectly without following the directions. Is that human nature or is it something in the design of the system? You know, these are things we have to look at. Um, and. I think part of the, the reason I like the break time is that I'm able to ask the deeper questions rather than just the the more the questions for dealing with what's happening on a week by week basis. You know, is my my educational philosophy correct? Are my beliefs correct? What are my first principles? What do I truly believe to be right? in the face of the input and evidence I'm getting and the feedback I'm getting back from students, either from questionnaires, as well as their, the product, their final performance, their, or the final assessment instrument or tool. And that's really what I think the break is about for me. Yeah. These real deep-seated questions. Sure, the, the luxury of that time to be, because it does require time, right? Because it's not three minute you know waiting for the train type of thing you can't do i mean it happens it slips in and you'll, you'll get an insight you'll make john a note down or a voice message or something but uh yeah during the semester you never have the time for this kind of thinking which and it really does require some kind of you know big chunk of time to sit there and reflect and, and put it all together and there's there's no other time to do it right yeah, because once the semester starts, I, I'm not going to be able to completely retool my my belief system. <laughs> well, right, because I mean that requires huge blocks of time, and those blocks are not there. Right, and so or the mindset. Right, and you know, so this is where I'm at right now. Is like looking at okay, this is what I believe to be true again. These are you know my firm beliefs, things I I know from experience and. I'll get some feedback from, um, for example, here's, this is an interesting thing I'm dealing with right now, is I expect my students to take notes and I don't give them a lot of handouts. Um, if there's a PowerPoint presentation, I expect them to take handwritten notes or notes on their um, smartphones or use computers or, or tablets or what, any form, I don't care how they do it. And I got feedback that they said they want me to provide them with handouts. And I'm saying, no, part of this is learning how to take notes. And they said, but we, we missed some of the information. And then I have to say, but everything you, we have stuff on, on the website. So trying to balance that, right? What's the right thing? So maybe I will provide a general outline from next semester and then they can fill in the details. Maybe mm. that will help them. But I'm saying that's an example of trying to of tweaking really things and at... making it a little bit more. Uh, but what you do, what you think is important, but putting it, packaging it in a way that is easier for them to digest. Perhaps. Yeah. Right. Or I'm thinking the other side is ah, I have to teach them how to outline better. Or do I need to focus more on the note-taking process, right? So there's a multiple, you know, there's just many, many different ways to approach it. But if I were in the middle of the semester, let's say I got that, then I think the easiest thing is to provide an outline and say, okay, here's the general outline of what's going to happen. Now start taking your notes. But during the 
this time now, this break, I can actually say, wait, do I really want to do that? Are there other alternatives? In other words, so there's not the pressure to come up with a solution immediately. I have a time, to, I have a chance to, you know, again, look at those first principles. You know, what does note taking involve? What does it mean? What specific aspects of note taking am I listening? I'm breaking it down. Is it there a listening component? Is a vocabulary component? Is the visuals maybe not appropriate? Are there different ways to deliver this? So, the assessment we're talking about is again, um, given the time frame, right? We have the to, you know the class times not it's downtime right now. We can really look at those things and. Go ahead. Yeah, and so what you what you yeah yeah no, I dig a hole. No 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 because what you say the, 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 what you have right there for example is is a real opportunity right because you've got students asking for handouts. Okay, so number one you've got students who really want to learn because because they 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 also want to be able to make it easier for them for whatever they they want the handouts. They're they're curious. They they don't want to just say the hell with it. They say I want handouts so that I can learn something. Right, so. This idea of a handout. So what is the so there's a desire and there's there's a void. And how can you or any other teacher you um, first like determine what it is, what the what the gap is, and then finding a way to, to fill that gap in a way that maximizes the chance of them learning what it is that you want to do rather than just to make it palatable or easy for them right so it's a really kind of interesting balancing act and so yeah it might be something like for example instead of a hand maybe an example or as you said maybe an outline with a, a you know you know steps at the very beginning an outline where they fill in the blanks rather than like start with a blank piece of paper um for me um but and it's i am derelict you know not enough time my excuse um, but what my students tell me over and over and over, and I, and I am derelict and not really following up and, and making better use of this, is their need for examples. So for exemplars, <laughs> whatever. Yes. No, uh, no. But whatever, whatever it is, yeah, whatever it is that you're asking them to do, whether it's a book report, whether it's a research paper, uh, whether it's a conversation, whether it's a project, whatever it might be, um, as much as mm, we as Western educators say, well, no, that we want you to do that yourself. Um, that's a step that is really difficult for them. And okay, there's nothing wrong with difficulty and there's nothing wrong with challenge. Um, but it's something that their experience has not taught them to do. And they need a little help with that and we need to like kind of smack ourselves and it's like you know, well, you know it's it's not apostasy <laughs> you can you can provide an example and a model is not always a bad thing they don't have to like reinvent the wheel for themselves it's like okay no this is this is how you do it um and i you know and i should know this right go back to uh the karate days right it's that that, that whole following the form and repetition and imitation is what is how how our many of our students know how to learn and to fight that instead of 
using it uh, to help them learn more and better, uh, not maybe the wisest thing to do. Well, Natalia, I was just going to respond by, I think that a lot of resistance to doing that is because of the plagiarism problem and the tendency of students to really copy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's a reason that a lot of people, including myself, have, don't give examples. Say, here's a really good example. Um, so you have to prepare students to say, this is a model, an example. My expectations are, and, ha and you have to have a very clear policy on plagiarism. And by the way, that's one of the big things I've really been thinking about is I realized that I did not clearly discuss my expectations about original work mm. with all my classes and I did not put it up on the website. I did not provide them with a Japanese explanation so that it was clearly understood to them, especially for incoming freshmen. And you know, I gotta do that. That's one thing I've definitely thought that I really did not do very well and I have to do a lot better this upcoming semester. But I think, yeah, I've started to provide them with models, you know, and when I said exemplar, I meant, you know, that this is a model of a really excellent paragraph. And here's a model of a really poor paragraph. Mm. Here's a model of a really excellent presentation. Here's a model of a poor presentation, because they don't know what's good or bad, right, right or wrong. Right. And also, I've been trying to do this more and more. And mm. it's... Um, getting better but I really have no excuses is the importance of a rubric so that they really understand how they're being graded and I found that to do that if the students are evaluating each other it forces me to come up with a clear rubric mm. a clear assist criteria um, and that helps them to kind of internalize and then kind of also gives them a model of what to do. So I think when they're assessing each other, they're also getting a model and building on that model. But I think you're completely right. They do need models of saying, hey, this is a good piece of, this is what a good paragraph looks like. This is what a good um, presentation looks like. I think it's a very important point. And I'm going to work on that a lot more this semester. So I agree. Hmm. Good. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. There you go. Thank you, Tony Sensei. <laughs> so, uh, and then so you, you come to the, the end like this, and uh, you look back and you say, "All right, so this this didn't go so well." Um, yeah, you, you know, and you sit back and you, you again. Now we've got you know a little bit of that luxury of time to look back, and uh, um, I guess you know identify the specific areas that did not meet expectations as specific as possible, right? Okay, exactly what didn't they get and why? Um, where, where, is, where is the gap? What, what's, what's missing there? Um, what are the, what possible reasons are there for this failure? And it, it's something that you, have, you should probably think about a little bit because a lot of times it's not obvious. Um, to us anyway, or to me. <laughs> I mean, to, to some people, maybe it is, but for me, it's like, really thinking about exactly why Why was this so hard? Or why are they not able to do this? Why, what is it? Um, one of the things that uh, one of my great things was like last year, one of my students uh, talked to me and says, like, well, you know, when, in a translation, of the, it was, had to do with the, the word essay in English. 
and how it was translated into Japanese. I can't, can't think of the word at the moment. But, like for example, in this particular school, we're supposed to write a persuasive essay where in Japanese that was almost a contradiction and I could never understand why students were not able to get understandable. No, you have to have an opinion. You have to argue your opinion. But using that word essay made it almost impossible for them to do that and I couldn't understand why they're doing this. Says, well, you know, if you use the word essay, it implies this, this, and this. I go, oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. So, something simple like that, right? And it can come out of left field. So, looking for those reasons is a uh, is a worthy little task, you know, to, and really beat the bushes, right? Because a lot of times it's not obvious. Uh, and then once you kind of can figure that out, trying to figure out the best way to implement those corrections, right? So we just talked about like, the, the, the benefits of, of, of exemplars and says, okay, so exactly how do you present that? Or for example, when you're talking about like your students need for handouts, okay, so there's a gap that needs to get filled somehow. What's the best way? What can I devise? What can I make that will um, help them, make it easy for them, but also like make sure that it, it takes them in the right direction um, so that they're able to, to take that next step on their own without that little um, assist, without that little, without the training wheels, right? And the other thing <clears throat> I think also really important too is when you start moving things around and start changing things, um, do caution. Don't screw up what you're already doing really well. Because, yeah, you, you, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You might be doing all kinds of things well, and don't hurt any of that uh, in an effort to to take care of like what might be a much smaller problem, right? So don't uh, mm. don't adversely affect the the things that are already going well in the class. Uh, so you know whether wh whatever it might be, and whether it's a you know your, your social dynamic in the class, whether it's a, you know, a routine or a, you know, a a set pattern of you know, student submission of work or so forth, because uh, there's all kinds of unintended consequences. Um, just make sure you don't by trying to make things better, you actually make things worse. You, know, you really got again. That's why that's why these breaks are so valuable because you have time to kind of think these things through and just throw them out on a piece of paper, or, uh, or so whatever it is, you know, however it is that you think, however you work, um, but to think it through as, as as thoroughly as you can so you don't end up jazzing up what breaking what doesn't need fixing, right? Mm. Yeah, that's 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 good. That's a good point. And I think again, that's. You gain that with experience it's like ah oh, this is working so i'm not going to toy with this but i was going to say though that the law of unintended consequences <laughs> and murphy's law means that no matter what i do <laughs> i try to implement something <laughs> it's gonna you know it human beings have an as i've always said you know human beings have an incredible ability to modify anything and you know we're always consistently and constantly surprised at how people can run with something that you think is perfectly designed and set up <laughs> but the before we're getting close to the end yeah. here, and one thing I did want to say though, Tony, is that one of the things that I do use it's um this idea of actually saying, um, and I think it's um Grant Wiggins or John Hattie who brought up the idea, but you know what does the learning look like, which is a great question. 
you know, what does, you know, so that if I can see it, you know, how do I, what does it look like? And once you've generated what it looks like, then you can know how to like work towards it. And that's also a helpful little tool. And I'm just throwing that out. Well, that was, yeah, that was my, my comment about the platonic that. chair, right? Right. You, you yeah. just you know, sit down at the class like, at the beginning yeah. and say, okay, what should, what, what should this class look like at the end? Okay, put it in the closet, <laughs> like Doreen Gray, <laughs> and then go do, do your best in 15 weeks. And at the end of that time, say, you know, see what you got and see how close you were able to get, right? Right. But I'm also actually saying, ask the question, what does the learning look like? And consistently and constantly ask it, yeah. you know, what would it look like? So that, because if you can't, I, if you can't come up with an answer, then you haven't defined an outcome. And that's just the why it's a, it's a useful tool. But I think your idea, you know, what you said, Tony, that don't throw the good ideas out, just, um, if they're working, they're great. And I think there's a tendency that people feel there's a need to innovate just for the sake of innovating. And, just suggestion to people don't innovate just to innovate innovate because there's a need innovate because you've identified some reason that requires something to change but to change just for the sake of change is not the best thing that's very different than tweaking something or improving something so i just wanted to echo that yeah right 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 don't don't idea. don't uh, don't break what's a, what doesn't what's a, what doesn't need fixing but at the same time, right. there are sometimes when you really gotta like maybe start with a blank slate. Um, yes. We've done that yeah, too, and right? Can... And, 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 and knowing when to do it, well, that's another episode. <laughs> that's very, very true. Okay, so I think we've kind of covered the general area here, and I think that one of the things is that it really makes a difference if you're a beginning teacher or a more experienced teacher. As you gain experience, you have, you know, a larger set of data, a larger data set in which to evaluate and assess these. So if you're starting out and teaching and you're a bit overwhelmed, you know, just give yourself some space, you know, some time that you'll develop the necessary, you know, knowledge and expertise to know when to do these things. And on the other hand, if you're a beginning teacher, then you're just throwing stuff out there and seeing it works. And that's a really exciting period of time, too. And I don't <laughs> want to discourage anyone from doing that. Isn't so, that true, though? And that really is so think, true. Uh, that um, the, you know the early years of teaching, where you know you're, it's all experimentation and it's all fresh ground, and you don't know what the hell you're doing, <laughs> and you know you get you're you, just you, throwing you get stuff an idea and you try sticks. it, and, and when it works, it's like oh man, I'm a genius. Yeah, it's so much fun, and you know, of course, and there's there's more times when it doesn't, <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, you're 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 dead on with the experience thing, and and for newer teachers. Um, uh, talk talk with the other teachers, and uh, and, uh, and always what you what you hear take with a grain of salt, and and the more teachers you talk to, the better you'll your filters will get, and you'll very quickly I think say oh this 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 guy this this woman she know he she knows what she's talking about, uh, and the others you'll say, huh. <laughs> you, you, it, it, it will be obvious. <laughs> it will be obvious, right. and you can you can you can really learn a lot. Because, uh, but the flip side of that. Mm. Sorry, no go. 
but just real quickly, the flip side of that, if you're a, a, start, a new teacher or a beginning teacher and Tony says, talk to people, talk to the experienced teachers so that we get ideas, we get fresh insights from you. You know, it's both directions. It goes two ways. Right, right, right. Cause we, yeah, we just, talked about that exciting time of like, because, yeah, a lot of times you, you might think you knew your experience. I don't know anything. <laughs> a lot of times it can be an advantage. You have this, this an, a unique perspective and you'll come up with something and, and we'll look like, hear what you're saying. And it's like, huh, <laughs> that's really a good idea. I never thought of it that way. Um, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, right. I think that there's a lot of good stuff. Because I look back and I'd probably say my best teaching was in years two through five. You know, when I was really innovative, I was trying things and I was innovative because I didn't know and there was no other choice. And what was available wasn't working. And, you know, that's very different. You know, that's innovating from need again. So I just, you know, want to emphasize again that, you know, people should not feel forced to innovate just to innovate you should have a real grounded reason you might say hey you know we're not providing our students we're not educating them for the future adequately I, we need to change some things well that's a good reason but if you go you know everything's working really well i had a really really successful class you know i should just change something just to change something unless you're actually testing an idea out you know you don't really need to think that way i think that's also what you're saying right tony mm -hmm. well it's a it, well right. I'm, I'm, I'm telling both things it's like yeah Take a chance. No, no, don't, don't screw things up. We're, we're, I think I think both of us were given pretty much contradictory advice, but that's the nature of the beast. Part of it. Yeah. That. That. Yes. You're right. You tell me to do go left. You tell me to go right. Yes. <laughs> that's exactly what you have to do. That. That's the job. Oh, I, I, <laughs> I, I'm I'm pretty sure it was Jerry Brown who once was asked about you know who's governor of California right now and was governor a long time ago. Um, somebody said to Jerry Brown like you know what's your rule of politics and he said well politics is like paddling a canoe up a river right you paddle a little bit on the right you paddle a little bit on the left and you go right up the middle and you know you do you're right you have to play both sides you have to be willing to take some chances but you have to also be willing to be conservative on that way but you know that's for another podcast, mm -hmm. I think. So, Indeed. Shall we wrap it up? Go. Okay, I'm Charles Wiz. Tony Silva. And we are two teachers talking at dot com and Gmail and Skype the podcast and everywhere else. Right. Okay, Tony. Okay, well, does everybody else enjoy your last couple of weeks of the break if you're in Japan? And uh, that's right. It's getting cooler. And other people are. You'll survive. It is. You'll, make it. You'll, make it. You'll make it. You'll make it. Okay. Yeah, well, that's, our, that's our theme song, right? We will survive. Okay. I'm going to survive. All right. So be well, Tony. <laughs>